Welcome to How's Your E-Presence on Business Radio X. How's Your E-Presence is a show designed to help business people or companies understand ways to implement social media better. We're all in the business to make money. Why not use social media to help increase your revenues? This show is managed by ePresence, and ePresence manages social media for organizations that understand that business is done more effectively by the individual profile on social media. I'm Mark Galvin coming to you live from the Subaru of Gwinnett Studio inside the Sinesta Gwinnett Place Atlanta Hotel. So what's this show all about? We do. I kind of introduce this every month, and I've got some new notes here I'm going to mention. You know, I met with a, a, a business person yesterday. He is a local restaurant owner, and um, he would like to attract investors to help him open up more restaurants. And he had a, he had a dormant LinkedIn profile. Well, he realized by cleaning up a LinkedIn profile and making sure that he has a robust online presence, he could actually help attract more investors. That's what you need to do on social media is think about what it is your mission is and how do you achieve that on a personal level. That is what we do and what we talk about here on How's Your E-Presence. What best platforms are you? can you use to engage your businesses? You know, maybe you're trying to reach young people on social media. What young people's platforms are out there? Well, we talk about all those fun things and help you reach those folks. So here on How's Your E-Presence, we do time, we share some time talking about what our E-Presence research team has found out, what's new on social media, what we need to share. And very importantly, we bring in a guest every single month. Oh, I should have mentioned one other thing. Uh, my handle on Twitter, and you can live tweet me right here during the show, is at E-PresenceMG. That's E-P-R-E-S-E-N-C-E-M for Mark, G for Galvin. That's my social media handle everywhere, but especially on Twitter. Send me a message. If I miss you during the show, I will respond to you on the next show or on the next uh, uh, podcast that we drop. Anyway, let's get back to a very important uh, person. We have a wonderful guest with us today. We have Beth Chavo. Uh, Beth is the founder and CEO of The Gender Plan. Beth, welcome. Thank you, Mark. It's such a pleasure to be here. Well, I'm glad that you're here. You and I have had many conversations, mm -hmm. and they've always been very interesting. And in fact, you and I, when we first had a conversation, I immediately knew I wanted to have you on the show because you have, uh, and we're going to get into this, you have such an interesting perspective that uh, that is challenging. And you just you challenged me in some ways and the ways to look at the way we can help bring more women to the workplace and the challenges that go with that. So we're going to jump into that in the second part of the show. But before we do, because yes. you know, I, I want to tell everybody who you are, I found out that you went to Virginia Tech. I did. I did attend Virginia Tech. I, my, my family, my extended family is, is from Blacksburg, Virginia. It is a school that we've had uh, numerous cousins. I think the majority of my cousins and me have, have all attended Virginia Tech, as did my father. So wow, that we're is, all Hokies. That is fantastic. And so uh, there was a game where a local team, University of Georgia, mm -hmm. played Virginia Tech in the Sugar Bowl. I do in recall it, that. In Atlanta. I do recall that game, yes. It was a very unique Sugar Bowl. And, and, and by the way, Virginia Tech, I'm sure you remember this, mm -hmm. came back and won that game in the waning minutes. It was they an did. exciting game. They did. Not so much for the home team, but uh, very cool. <laughs> Sorry for that. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know what? It was, uh, it was well coached. And it was a uh, – it, it was – 
I'm gonna tell you what. I, I don't want to look at the replays on it, but it was it was done. It was a great coach. Let's see. That was Rodriguez, I think, if I remember. Oh, gosh, coach Rodriguez. Was, yeah. Well, anyway, yeah. we're we're not a sports game. <laughs> if this was a sports show, we would we would get Mike Salmon over here and he'd say, join us. That would us be in. a short show. Yeah. I'm afraid. <laughs> That's not your thing, is it? Huh? <laughs> well, let's do this. I w- I'd like to ask you a question of before we get into your experience is about you went to school at some place called the American International School in Vienna. I tell did. me, tell me about that school because I don't know anything about it. Yeah, so um, similarly to how there's a there's an Atlanta International School here in Atlanta, um, the American International School in Vienna, Austria, is one in a um, you know a slew of international schools in some of the larger cities in Europe and then in in Northern Africa as well. Um, and they're all connected to each other, but you know through sports games and and what have you. But um, it's a school that you're able to go to if your parents happen to be working in that country. And my father was working oh, wow. for the United Nations with the IAEA, and I was in school there from the age of 15 until I graduated from high school. Wow, what yeah. a great time period. Yeah. Well, um, I, I, I told her I wasn't going to do this, but my daughter is sitting here. <laughs> watching the, <laughs> us do this and she is in high school now mm-hmm. and I can imagine the experience that you mm-hmm. would have mm-hmm. at that age going to international school that's uh, that's impressive mm-hmm. well so let's talk a little bit about your experience and one of the things that you did that I uh, that I thought was very interesting I'm going to peel back all the way uh, to EY to so that's used to be called Ernst & Young so they're officially no longer Ernst & Young is that right yeah it's EY all now. right so you were an audit year. partner with EY yes. um, for many years. Mm-hmm. What does audit partner mean to us uh, pedestrians? Sure. Well, um, you know, I think that the easiest way to say it is the auditors are the watchdogs of financial reporting. So if you are buying stock, um, if you want to buy Facebook stock or, you know, the upcoming Uber IPO, if you want to use that as an example, um, those financial statements have to be reviewed and, and, and checked off as being materially correct. And slash, so, slash audited. Audited. Yeah. That's so right. when you got that EY audit stamp right. on there, it means that, yeah, this is real. and That's right. And it's uh, and you can trust it. That's right. And so, well, you left there. It mm-hmm. looks like, and you started working at North Highland. A, That's right. A, a very uh, well-respected organization as managing director and chief financial officer. Mm-hmm. Um, and and as I look at this, you you've done a lot of other things. You've been board members at a lot of places, and mm-hmm. and what it looks like, including Girl Scouts. Uh, there's other board members here at Woodruff Arts. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tech Bridge at Fern Bank here in Atlanta. A lot of great experience. And then you became an independent contractor, senior senior financial executive. So you're helping groups on their financial side. And then mm-hmm. you started the gender plan. That's correct. And this is new-ish? It's new. Yeah. Yes, it is. Um, it takes an accumulation of different experiences that I've had becoming a female executive and having some success as a female executive, but also more specifically work that I did in some of my former organizations that you've already mentioned um, as a female leader helping design as well as implement gender inclusivity strategies within those companies and using that experience and now doing that on my own as a single shingle. I am guessing Mm -hmm. that um, when you started working at EY, when you filled the room full of the other auditors, Mm -hmm. how many men were in the room compared to women? Yeah. Well, you know, 
right out of college, it was about 50-50, okay. to be honest. Well, but it very quickly, within the first four to five years, those numbers would change pretty dramatically. And, and so how did they change? In which direction? Well, men outnumbering women, two to one. And then the year that I made partner, um, it was very common in not just EY, but the other professional services firms to be under double digits in terms of partners that were women. So the, the numbers drop off pretty significantly. Yeah, I can see why. You and that has improved a great deal since then, but back in the day when I first became partner. Yeah, mm-hmm. I can see why that uh, why you started your organization. I can't wait to get into that. Sure. But before we do... I'd love to do a little social media update, and we talked about this beforehand. So I'm, I'm this isn't I'm not totally blind signing you. So glad you're here, but let's talk about social media. There are the struggles that we have on social media today, especially when you're trying to leverage social media from a business perspective. Is what works? What social media posts should I make? It happens to me all the time. In fact, mm-hmm. I was talking to a client right before I came here. She has four different businesses. She's busy. And uh, and how she's she's trying to figure out how can I get my audience to engage with me? So I want to go through a couple of the the different classifications that work really well. The first thing, and, and we've talked about it a lot, is video. Video is so important. If you can leverage video in your engage in your posts, you're going to find that you'll reach a much larger audience. So uh, so my wife is a corporate recruiter mm-hmm. and we sat down in, in our dining room at the house and we did a video on her t- sharing here's the stuff that you do to get a job. you know what do you need to have in your resume? what do you need to you know how do you need to dress blah 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 the basic kind of stuff. And then I jumped in and said this is what you should do on the LinkedIn side. So that video, had 6,000 views, wow. right? What is a view? A view on LinkedIn means that it's someone watched it for three seconds. Now, that doesn't seem like much, but the three seconds means that they started it and they started to, to view it. So that's why that three-second uh, rule is there. So it, they, just, just, they didn't just pass by. So if you're getting somebody's eyes for three seconds, by the way, the, uh, our attention span is seven seconds. Claire, are you still here? Oh, yep. <laughs> So it's over seven seconds for Claire. <laughs> but seven seconds is the attention span of most U.S. Uh, adults today, and especially it has to do with social media. So sure. you're getting them for longer than seven seconds in general if they're paging through their view, their feed. So video's big. And you know what? Have you ever tried to do video? And When you launched the gender plan, did you do some videos? I think you... I did not do video, um, and I w- would love to do video. I mean, it, it's I completely agree. I mean, I experience it myself um, as a consumer. I see my my own children. I mean, it's sure. that pause that they have when they see the video as opposed to just print. So I, I understand and believe that powerful message. Yeah. So I am amazed mm-hmm. at how often I, I walk in, and, I, and I'm running into my kids, and I have three kids, how they are interacting with their device through video, mm-hmm. uh, either in a FaceTime or something like that. So TikTok. TikTok is, mm-hmm. you know what, that's a, <laughs> do you hear it was just banned in India? Was TikTok banned in India? Yeah, yeah, really? yeah. They're, okay. um, yeah, that's a whole other story. <laughs> could, we'll have to talk about that next time. So, uh, so video, if, if, figure out how to get that out there. And you can shoot simple video. In fact, we're, we're taping this uh, conversation today because it is such great content. So always figure out how you can how you can leverage a little video and um, and it needs to be authentic. So there's this sort of there's this this gap of really produced beautiful video which you should have. Uh, mm-hmm. That's good to have a one minute version of that that goes on your website. Mm-hmm. Or 
the impromptu one. Just drop up your phone and say, hey, you know, I'm sitting here with Beth. We were just talking about something, and we think that uh, that you guys can benefit from it and have a quick conversation. Minute long is good if you can kind of keep it short. So video is easier than we think, and I do recommend that you leverage that. Here's another kind of post. Something that is uh, that gives tips and tricks. That's free tips and tricks out there. And um, one of my uh, uh, favorite, and this kind of blends a couple of the topics together, but uh, did you know how to get that sticky stuff off of the bottom of, of glasses? No. So, yeah, you go to, you, you, this yeah, happened yeah, to you. I know what you, yes, yeah. of course it's you, happened to you me. You go buy a new set of glasses and you're, you know, you know in the kitchen right. and you, you're trying to pull those stickers off and they don't come off. You right. know, the sticky stuff is there forever. Well, I just cheat and I just like put it in the dishwasher and just hope for the best. But and it, yeah. And it doesn't go away. It doesn't, no. You're going to die when I tell you this. Oh, don't. Peanut butter. Really? Well, I think peanut butter is really the answer to most things. Well, if you actually. ask my wife, that's true. Yeah. 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 But if she gets a little <laughs> upset, I can't use the, the expensive peanut butter. But if you put peanut butter on that sticky stuff, yeah. leave it on there for, I don't know, 10, 15 minutes, it'll wipe right off. Someone had to try that hack. You How know, in the it, world? Right. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm assuming there was some scientist out there that I'm said, sure. you know what? This will absorb the whatever. There's some sort of residue that is pulling yeah. out of the out of the goo the glue whatever that may be so that's the kind of thing you could share that on your in your social media and it's just helpful it's a good mm -hmm. tip and trick it'll help people in their everyday lives and that is good quality content the other thing i want to mention is a personal story share a personal story in your feed and people will find that interesting and they'll interact with it so a good example of a personal story is you've experienced something and there was a reaction. So uh, always think about that. Look for those opportunities where you can share a personal story that has a good positive end uh, is, a, is a good thing to do. So those are some good tips of things that you can post about. We'll have more uh, in, future, in future shows. There's a couple things, I, something that I do wanna mention. There's a feature inside LinkedIn Messenger. So that is the uh, on your mobile phone where you can quickly talk to someone right through LinkedIn. You can schedule appointments through there now. So look for a little icon. So if mm -hmm. you and I are talking yeah. and we're using that function, there's a, uh, a calendar icon I can touch and I can schedule an appointment right from the LinkedIn Messenger app. So uh, check that out, yeah. uh, embedded in LinkedIn. That's great, because a lot of my contacts and come through a LinkedIn dialogue to begin with. Well, that's really so, interesting. Yeah. So yeah. You, you find that mm -hmm. the LinkedIn Messenger function is very useful. Yeah, it has worked for me, and kind of going back to how you use your channels. Um, right. and, and you may have different strategies for different channels. I mean, LinkedIn for me is your thought capital channel, and it's where you where you share, you know, maybe your take on, you know, for me, I share takes on, you know, a new article coming from the Harvard Business Review or from the Forbes Women Council, and I'll read it, and I'll repost it and give my take on it, add something that's anecdotal on top of it, and it, it will get attention and it will get more views, and then someone will reach out to me through LinkedIn and say, hey, I'd like to have more conversations. So for me, it's been, it's been very helpful. For Instagram and Facebook, it's a little different. That's more about showing who you are, your values, your purpose. What's the purpose of your business? And, and why is it important to you? And why are you passionate about it? And those posts seem to resonate more so than... That is very good. Yeah. Yeah, that's very good. Very smart. Mm -hmm. uh, when you're sharing a post, mm -hmm. this is uh, something we've come to learn. If you have something that's really important, post your comments about that article, mm -hmm. but don't actually post the link to the article. Mm -hmm. Go to the comments and drop the link. 
because it will uh, it'll optimize that post even more. LinkedIn's starting to minimize just posts that have a link to an article. Interesting. Yeah, no, I did not know that. They're trying to make it more personal. They're all trying to figure right. that out. How can they make the system work on a more personal basis? Yeah, that's great. Great advice. Let's pivot. Mm-hmm. You and I have talked, we've talked a lot about this, and I wish we could have recorded some of those conversations because they, <laughs> uh, they were rather robust. The, the starting point for today is a simple question. How can we promote, how can businesses promote women in the workplace while not alienating men? Because that's, you know, and then, mm-hmm. and as a, as a guy, mm-hmm. th- you know, that is one of those things that, yeah, absolutely. I think that, I think women should be promoted and they mm-hmm. should, you know, there ought to be a l- an absolute level playing field. I have two daughters. I want mm-hmm. them to have every opportunity to get yeah. whatever career options they have. But there does seem to be a sense today that, uh, you know, that some of the guys in the workplace are like, hello, you know, mm-hmm. am I, you know, do I, is this good for me? Is this bad for me? Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts about that? Yeah, it's a great question. And it's it's a complex question. And it has a number of different arms and legs to it. Um, I'll start just putting some context um, to that. I did not know this, um, actually, myself, and I do a great deal of research in this area, but if you look at the the 2018 report from McKinsey and LeanIn.org, they did a report on women in the workplace. So McKinsey, everybody's heard of, LeanIn, that's Sheryl Sandberg's Mm -hmm. group, right? Mm -hmm. That's correct. And And she wrote the book called Lean Lean In. in. Correct. And so they they collaborated together on this report um, to talk about the advancement and kind of where we are from a gender equity in the workplace perspective. Sure. Great information. But probably the stat that stood out the most, and it's the fairly simplistic stat, but it's been 30 years now that women have outpaced men in getting bachelor's degrees. 30 years. And I know, I see the shock on your face, and I had the same. Wow, absolutely. So, right. So, And so what is that, why is that important, or why is that interesting? Um, when you look at leadership now, um, you still have a minority of women in leadership mm-hmm. positions. And mm-hmm. so when going to, back to your question, I think the most important um, way to do this is to be very pragmatic about instituting change. I mean, the reality is, is um, men are still a majority leader in leadership roles in the majority. And women are starting to make some incredible strides in that direction, but we have a ways to go. And right. if you've had 30 years of women outpacing men going into the workplace, something is happening with their experience along the way that is um, keeping them from getting to those same levels that their male counterparts Yeah, when are you look at those, that data, mm-hmm. when you share that information, it, it's obvious something is happening from that point where they walk out with a diploma right. to 20, 30 years mm-hmm. later. Mm-hmm. And, and so obvious questions come up, or mm-hmm. are they choosing other paths right. instead of the career path that's, I, r- that's right and i think there's a cultural piece to that mm-hmm. you know uh, that yeah, this is the direction you need to go in but how have you seen uh women manage that over over the long term yeah so you know i think what's been most successful and this again kind of goes back to your question about how do you not alienate men and that is to really treat it as the business issue that it is instead of coming and having a dialogue purely from an emotional perspective. I mean, you know, for me as a female and whenever I've experienced gender bias in the workplace, I mean, there is a a certain level of emotion that comes with that. But that's 
not really relevant from a business perspective. But we're all emotional beings. We are. Without a doubt. I mean, we are. We are and data has shown time and time again, I don't have any numbers in front of me, but we make decisions that are not based on just data. Even if we have data in front of us, we mm -hmm. sometimes choose emotional decisions. Even men, they don't want to admit that. But right. it's true. Well, the men that, that I coach, particularly the executive men that are in, in positions, I mean, the majority of them, vast majority of them are so well-intentioned when it comes to women in the workplace, especially those that are these high-performing women that they really want to see succeed. They may have daughters, you know, that, they, that they're proud of, and they want them to have that experience. Right. And Absolutely. So, so they're very well-intentioned. I mean, we're, we're not really in an environment now where many people are experiencing that mad men environment, you know, that we've seen <laughs> on the show. I mean, there's certainly, I'm sure, pieces of that, but that's certainly not the norm. It does remind me of hashtag me too, but we'll get there. <laughs> yes. Um, um, but, you know, I think what you have to acknowledge is that men want to be successful in this, in this as well. I had one um, male executive I was coaching and he says, I have two women that work for me. He goes, and I know they're going to leave because they have small children and they can't handle the stress and we're not creating an environment that makes it easy for them because they don't have a lot of flexibility and he's terrified because they're his best performers. Now, everything you just said, mm -hmm. if I had said that, mm -hmm. I would get ridiculed. I, it's really interesting yeah. because as men, I feel like, and mm -hmm. this is a, and this, uh, this is so interesting to me, <laughs> is because as a, as a man, um, I feel like I can't express those views today mm -hmm. that, yeah, you know, I do worry as mm -hmm. a, you know, if I'm going to invest a lot of money yeah. and, 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 I, and I think we do get to know um, the women in our organization that it's possible that she may want to have kids, right. but I should not immediately assume that she's the one that's going to stay home and take care of them. That's absolutely right. right? Um, I had my own personal experiences with that where I was in the promotion pipeline to make partner. And, and I had people, I was pregnant with my first child, and they said, well, you're going to come back to work? And I was like, well, gosh, I mean, let's, let's overcome the presumption that I'm actually not going to come back. And, right. and, and it is a personal decision. And I think the reason why, why it's actually becoming easier is because companies are starting to recognize that they need to create an environment that supports that level of flexibility if they want to retain their women. Um, and, and it has to be a business imperative for them. Um, in the accounting profession, for instance, um, it's they women outnumber men in obtaining CPAs two to one, and so unbelievable. If, so if you are a, a CPA firm, a large CPA firm, or a smaller one, and you want to attr attract the, and retain the best talent, right? You're going to have to keep your women, and so you can just say, well, I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing, and hopefully things will work out, or you can say, mm. well, what do I need to do? How do I solve this problem? And let's just really identify what the problem is and have real dialogue around that. Well, some of it used to be that you had to identify that it was a problem. Absolutely. Right? So that's yeah. the first step. Okay, there's right. a challenge here. Why do I, you know, why are all the CPAs in this firm all men? And we, <laughs> and, and the data shows that, mm -hmm. you know, there's plenty of educated women out there that could fill these roles. And right. there's also a perspective that comes with women in the workplace. When you have diverse ideas, mm -hmm. you can do better than kind of that siloed effect. Well, and I will, I will say this, I mean, as a profession, as an industry, the um, accounting profession as a whole has done an, a fantastic job in addressing this as an issue because it was a burning platform for them, and they wow. had to. They had to. Is that across yeah. all firms? You it did, is. Not I just mean, EY? so so it was around nine percent in two thousand five were women, and the latest that, that that I read from an AICPA report last year in two thousand eighteen was it's in the twenty two percent. So certainly it's not fifty fifty. Right. But 
great strides. Wow, that's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Well, that's good to see. Mm-hmm. So social media can cause a little bit of a problem here. And um, and being a promoter of social media, yeah. I, I, I hate to say this, but it's true. If I'm out with a bunch of friends and, and their work they're my work friends and it's men and women and maybe we have too many drinks uh and there's a picture taken and people are being maybe a little too silly but that can cross a line and the next thing you know that shows up and and i end up in a real uncomfortable situation this is what goes through mm-hmm. that would go through my head mm-hmm. uh, in today's environment so what am i going to do i'm not going right. i'm going to avoid that opportunity to build some rapport with mm-hmm. my teammates mm-hmm. because I'm afraid that something could be misconstrued. How often has that come up? Um, more often than you would think. And certainly once you put sure. gender into it right, as well. Right, right. Right, because, um, you know, when you, I mean, I worked with a with a partner at, at EY, wonderful, and did so much to promote women, but he just couldn't get himself to go to dinner one-on-one with a woman mentee but would be able to do it with with men and you know he what i well that can create a bias issue too while you're going out with him but you won't go out to dinner with me that's right and and but what i would i thought it was still a successful he was still such a successful promoter because he was able to talk very authentically about that and say i want to help you and i want to promote you here are the ways that i can do that and i don't want you to misconstrue what I may do with one of your peers. And so, you know, and I think all of that is progress. I mean, I think all of that recognizing is, it is, is, a, is progress is, oh, is recognizing yeah, yeah. that and saying, look, there is more than one way to have client relationships. You don't have to necessarily go out and drink a little bit too much. I mean, you know, those right. things oh, happen, no, yeah, right? Absolutely. Right. But I, I think there's what, what happens is you start having different relationship building activities that are more gender neutral, let's say, or mm-hmm. certainly more, um, um, you know, is, is a, available to both genders, if you will. So I'm thinking, and this is going to be my solution. I want your opinion on this. Yeah. That if I'm that that uh, that manager and I'm always going out to dinner with the guys, never with the, well, I should say the, the men, not the women, <laughs> um, I would say, okay, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to purposefully plan mm-hmm. some dinners, and I'm going to have a man and a woman mm-hmm. from my team sure. come join me with for dinner. Sure. And kind of, and, and, and it would have to be strategic, right? Mm-hmm. I'm, I probably would have to work with, uh, you know, some administrative staff to help me manage this. Mm-hmm. But say, okay, here are the people that I need to, that I'd like to spend some time with, and I need one of each sex to come join me at dinner. That's yeah. how I would solve it. What do you think about that? Yeah, I think, well, I think everyone has to develop what's most comfortable and authentic to them. Oh, that's a good point. Right, so. It's sort of like us saying, you have to figure out who your audience is and speak to them. You gotta figure out the best way for you to right. manage that. That's right, Be- and you know, because as, as much as we, women love to feel as if they're getting help and getting mentorship, they certainly don't wanna feel as if they're checking a box. So if it feels authentic you, to you, being the invitor, it won't feel that way. But if it's something where you feel like you're doing it because you have to, it will feel inauthentic to the woman. And so you, I think you have to be authentic with how you solution that. And also you have to consider- That's hard. And also you have to consider the woman may <laughs> not be interested in going to dinner. True, oh, that's, well. a good, uh, that's a very good point. I mean, there are more and more, not just women, but men who really want to separate you know, that type of relationship building outside of the evenings in the workplace. They're more interested in having holistic lives professionally right so that may mean so it may need to be lunch not dinner as exactly an yeah exactly. and I think those are one of the things that you mm-hmm. that you can figure out how to manage through yeah. um, do you think that social media can help this transition I do I also think it's filled with pitfalls yeah right yeah, um, 
I think when I when I am posting, I have to be especially cautious. I want to show who I am and the and the passion that I bring to this. I also want to provide data, and I want sure. to provide some you know kind of facts based type of dialogue into my post so that it's not just my opinion or my emotional reaction to right. something. It's very and, smart. And most importantly, I want to make sure that it doesn't come across as anti-male because I think if you're going down a path of trying to promote women in the workplace and you're doing it at the exclusion of bringing men along into that solution, then it's not going to work. I mean, I'm, I'm very passionate about how men have to be part of that problem-solving process and they have to be able to to bring that into um how we how we solve this um you know for for women in the workplace that's brilliant i told you this we're going to run out of time so fast and we're we're at uh we are running out of time Mm -hmm. um not to steal the the last thought um but the struggle today and we all we are all responsible for our social media Um, our profiles and what we say on social media there are people who are uh, creating inflammatory posts that are Mm -hmm. making this making your job and I make and if I could say it that way your job harder because they are much more interested in in inflaming versus figuring out solutions Mm -hmm. and and that's the pitfall piece Mm -hmm. Uh, and, and that's the struggle. I think that we have to realize that what we say on social media can create a larger splash than we think. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Mark Zuckerberg, there are people that argue me with this, and I've had people argue. I don't think Mark Zuckerberg really understood the impact that Facebook would have on elections. I yeah. think it blew him away. I think he was, mm-hmm. at first, he, he did, ah. Probably, yeah. as we're obs- not going to affect a, an election. As an observer said, oh, this is interesting, but then yeah. went, oh, wow. Yeah, that really it's, it got is, out of hand pretty quickly. It is pretty amazing. Mm-hmm. Well, Beth, thank you for being here. Thank you. Great Enjoyed conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I wish we had an hour. We could we could go for an hour and continue this. Continue this. And for anyone listening, if you would like to uh, to hear more and or throw a question, you can th- certainly throw a question to me, but I want you to be able to find Beth. So where can people find you? Where's the best spot online? Yeah, well, you can get to my website at www.thegenderplan.com. That actually takes you directly to my website, and it tells you a little bit about me and the services I provide. Um, I am also on LinkedIn, uh, Beth Chavo. Um, S-C-H-I-A-V-O. And then I have a Instagram page where that I keep, you talked about life hacks and, and tips, and, and, I, and I try to put something in there um, fairly frequently about Peanut just butter tips. and glue. Peanut butter and glue. I, you know, one. I think that will be my next I, I, one, I have actually. the. I actually see the glass. I see yeah. the peanut butter. Yeah, peanut butter a, solves good for all. Instagram. Peanut butter solves all. That's how we're going to f- get gender equity mm-hmm. through peanut butter. <laughs> so <laughs> I like that. So you can find the gender plan on Instagram as well. Well, perfect. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you for being here. Thank you. I, I do. It, you. I truly, truly appreciate it. Mm-hmm. I'd like to share how you guys can find ePresence. And so that is, it's easy as this. Go to the web, search ePresence. You'll be able to find our website. And if you're looking for us on social media, our handle is the same everywhere. It's just like mine. It's ePresence. M-E. So all together at ePresenceMe. That's on Twitter. That's on Facebook. That's on Instagram. You name it. It's the same handle everywhere. Make sure you look to do that for yourself. Standardize your handle everywhere. Uh, love for you to like us or follow us on whatever social media platform is best for you. And we'll, be con- we'll continue to share great tips 
Um, I'll have to talk about uh, things like that, uh, that peanut butter thing more often on our own sites. <laughs> but uh, we're always sharing tips and uh, giving you ways that you can harness your social media a little better. We're curating all the time frankly. Um, and so we need to start posting things without the link right in the middle of it because it'll optimize those posts too. Um, again, thank you for joining us here on How's Your E-Presence. We broadcast live on the third Thursday of each month at three o'clock Eastern, or just remember the third Thursday at three. You can listen to any of our shows 24-7 by going to businessradiox.com, select the Gwinnett Studio. That would make Mike Salmon very happy. And then select How's Your E-Presence. That's our show logo. It's right there. If you want, you can listen to any of our shows on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, and Spotify. You can just search there for How's Your E-Presence, and we are there for the others. And also, we do some other subs. Uh, we're, I was going to say subsidizing. That That is technically, the, can be the right word, but we're helping out uh, and offering some other content. Recently, I interviewed the CEO of the Atlanta Convention and Visitors Bureau, William Pate, and that's on that uh, on our iTunes channel. But for uh, ePresence uh, and more about ePresence, you can find us at our website at ePresence.me. That's E-P-R-E-S-E-N-C-E dot me because it's all about you. And you can find us anywhere on any social media platform using the same thing. Just drop the dot. Until next time, for my guest, Beth Chavo, I'm Mark Galvin, and this has been How's Your ePresence on Business Radio X.